Hello and welcome to the Classical Guitar LPs podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Powell. For this episode, we'll be listening to a 1966 release on Columbia Records label entitled Two Favorite Guitar Concertos. The artist is John Williams. Uh, the conductor is Eugene Ormandy, and we have members of the Philadelphia Orchestra playing along with John Williams. The two pieces that we will hear are the Concierto de Aranjuez by Joaquin Rodrigo and also Concerto Indy by Mario Castanuovo Tedesco. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Classical Guitar LPs podcast. Thanks for joining. This has certainly been one of the craziest summers in recent memory, and I'm just really glad and fortunate to be able to be able to produce an episode here. I think I let everybody know back on one of the earlier episodes that it's just been, uh, there's been a lot of health concerns going on with members of my family. It's just been kind of tricky this summer. So uh, sorry that I've been gone. Really glad that we have the back issues that you can listen to the old episodes and such. This is gonna be an episode where really the music and the record jacket are gonna do the talking uh, with the exception of a couple of things. And what I would start with is if I were to summarize this this recording with just a couple of phrases, the first phrase I would say is one of the beautiful, one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever composed for the guitar. That would be the summary for side one. And then side two would be summarized by saying gorgeous 20th century idiom meets Pirates of the Caribbean theme at the end, 30 years before Pirates of the Caribbean came out, 40 years before the... Anyway, you might get what I'm talking about when we get there and when you hear the third movement of that of that concerto. So this is a young John Williams playing ferociously on his flata guitar. It's just an astounding an astounding mix of musicianship, both from the soloist as well as from members of the Philadelphia Orchestra. They're just, it's just phenomenal. I, I, I love these pieces of music so very much. In fact, what I'll say is I, I listened to, as I was preparing my, my classroom at Mount Olive this coming, for the coming school year, uh, I had my headphones on and I listened to side two so very many times uh, prior to uh, to this discussion and this podcast episode. And so I'm going to go ahead and just take away, take off right here with notes on the back of the record jacket. Uh, this is a Columbia recording again from 1966. It is MS6834. And this happened to be the, the label says that it is the 30th anniversary season of Eugene Ormandy. And so uh, I'll let those of you out there in internet land look that up and see what that's all about. Uh, in any case, the, the cover has a picture of the, of the conductor and of John Williams uh, playing and a couple, couple of the backs of heads of, of presumably the string section. Um, and anyway, here are the notes that begin on side one. This says, Notes by K. Jaffe. Hector Berlioz was one of the guitar's most devoted amateur practitioners. When his important Treatise on Instrumentation appeared in 1844, it included, along with chapters on the standard instruments of the orchestra, a full discussion of the guitar. The guitar, he began, is an instrument suitable for accompanying the voice and for taking part in instrumental compositions of an intimate character. 
Following this came a lengthy discussion of the tuning of the instrument and how to compose for it effectively, including a description of many guitarist techniques, arpeggios, slurs, scales and thirds, tremolos, and harmonics. Concluding his remarks, Berlioz observed, since the introduction of the piano into all homes where there is any interest in music, the guitar has been gradually disappearing except in Spain and Italy. Its weak tone, which prevents its combination with other instruments or with several singing voices of normal tone volume, is doubtless the cause of this. If Berlioz were preparing a new edition of his treatise today, he would find it necessary to revise this chapter in some of its details. The guitar is still an instrument suitable for accompanying the voice and for taking part in instrumental compositions of an intimate character, and composers still employ much of the same idiomatic vocabulary in writing for it. But other things have changed. The guitar now begins to rival the piano in homes where there is an interest in music not only in Spain and Italy, but in England, America, and even in Japan. Instrument builders are constructing guitars with unprecedented resonance and brilliance, capable of projecting into the last rows of a good-sized hall. A few extraordinary virtuosos continue to expand the technical capabilities of the instrument beyond anything Berlioz ever imagined possible. And composers have responded to these developments by writing imaginative, virile, and uncompromisingly demanding music, not for small rooms and salons, but for concert halls. As for combining the guitar with other instruments, two prominent composers of our time proved at about the same time, 1939 and 1940, that the skillful selection of instruments and careful orchestration, a guitar can even sound great with effectiveness in a concerto with orchestra. I'm going to go ahead and pause here before I do the notes on Joaquin Rodrigo. And what I, what I would just say, I myself am preparing to... Uh, play in a concerto uh, this coming January of 24. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. This is for the uh, Onita Community Orchestra, and I'm, I've been invited to play the Vivaldi Concerto in D. It's the second weekend, second Saturday of, of January of 2024. I'm just very in decora, and I'm very, very, very much looking forward to this opportunity. And some of the things that I'm preparing for are how... I'm going to strategize my amplification because I don't want it to, to look too clunky. Uh, but I'm also to the point now where I know very well that there does need to be some amplification. And so I will take a little bit of issue with what's being said in this first paragraph by Kay Jaffe. Uh, and I will also sort of take issue with that Segovia-esque attitude that that a guitar should be able to play unamplified uh, a concerto with orchestra and 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 I think the 47 year old me uh, today is August 18th 2023 the the 47 year old me just just fully says no let's go ahead and use some amplification because it's there that way the guitar can play with color and with intimacy and be heard it would be different. It would be different if we all had these these rooms, uh, like in Bayreuth, where where Wagner where Wagner constructed a basically a pit that could be throttled with with opening up, uh, you know the 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 
the area by, by sliding the wood back and forth, or the glass back and forth to sort of throttle the volume, to attenuate the volume. That's not done. That's impossible. That's, that's not sort of done. And so, uh, at, or at least it's, it hasn't been done. And so the other way to do it, since we are able to, I think logically, uh, is, the, is using amplification. And so I have a choice to make uh, between using a guitar that has a piezo pickup in it and then using my other guitar, which would just use a standard microphone in front of it. And I'm kind of working that out. I think both guitars would suit the project wonderfully and uh, we'll just sort of have to see what goes there. So maybe I'll update the audience as time gets a little bit closer. I'll continue on with the notes uh, by Kay Jaffe regarding Rodrigo. Uh, we, we've We've heard a lot of Rodrigo on the Classical Guitar LPs podcast, but we've not heard John Williams play uh, the, the, the Concierto de Aran West just quite yet. And so here's what she has to say about the playing and of this piece, Concierto de Aran West. Pardon me. Joaquin Rodrigo was born in Santiago, Spain, in the province of Valencia on November 22, 1902. Though blind from early childhood, he studied music in Valencia and later went to Paris, as had other Spanish musicians, Albanese, Faya, and Turina. There, in 1927, he entered the École Normale de Musique as a pupil of Paul Ducat. At that time, Ducat occupied as teacher and composer a leading position among musicians in Paris, and he exerted, together with Manuel de Faya and the Spanish pianist, Ricardo Vignes, a lasting influence on the young composer. Rodrigo continued to study with Ducasse until 1932. There followed a period in which he studied further in Paris and traveled extensively, principally in Switzerland, Germany, and Austria. But with the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War in 1936, Rodrigo returned permanently to his homeland. Eventually, he took up residence in Madrid, and the years of study and travel behind him his music had taken on the warm Mediterranean spirit that characterizes the Concierto de Aranjuez. This concerto, first performed on December 11, 1940, in Madrid, brought him immediate fame. In style, Rodrigo's writing is superbly balanced and leans toward classical forms. One of his chief successes as a composer has been in exploring the use of the orchestra in combination with a solo instrument. In addition to the guitar concerto, he has composed concertos for piano, violin, cello, and harp. At the time of its premiere, the Concierto de Aranjuez was regarded as a curiosity, apparently because of the seeming incongruity of pitting a guitar against an orchestra. Since that first performance, however, the work has remained one of the most popular concertos written for any instrument in this century. In achieving his compositional goals, Rodrigo makes no concessions to the difficulty of the guitar, with the result that this concerto, by no means unidiomatic, requires exceptional virtuosity from the soloist. In arriving at a satisfactory solution to the problems of balance between guitar and orchestra, Rodrigo allowed himself some flexibility in approaching traditional concerto procedures. At the very beginning of the work, one hears not the usual orchestra tutti, but an introduction for the solo guitar, strumming raschiato-like chords while the double bassist detained pianissimo on pedal point on D. 
Throughout the movement, a sonata form in the traditional sense, the orchestration is clear and coloristic. The guitar continually contrasted with the rich timbres of various other solo instruments, cello, clarinet, oboe, flute. As a result, the work suggests a concerto feeling without the guitar ever having to compete with massively large forces. The second movement is celebrated for its lyricism. The guitar begins in the role of accompanist to the English horn, which states the theme. Then the guitar repeats the theme, adding embellishments of its own. The movement draws to a close with an extended cadenza in which motifs of theme of the theme rather provide the basis for a variety of figurations and ends with orchestral tutti. The final movement, Allegro Gentile, explores a single terse contrapuntal theme stated first by the guitar. It appears several times in a number of keys with varying orchestration and the concerto concludes with a brisk demanding figure, pianissimo. Well, I think K. Jaffe really summarizes with words how to deal with the Concierto de Aranjuez. And with that, it's time for us to take a listen to side one. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after side one's over. Enjoy the Concierto de Aranjuez played by John Williams, conducted by Eugene Ormandy, and played by members of the Philadelphia Orchestra from the 1966 recording on the Columbia label.
and we're back on the Classical Guitar LPs podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed that first side, and I, I hope to all of you out there who are hearing from people that John Williams is a mechanical guitarist and, and lacks feel and lacks uh, art, artistry in that in that manner, I would like to point you in, in that direction and, and to listen to this recording as an example of 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 one where you could point to and say not in this recording he's not playing that way he is he is absolutely not playing robotic he's not playing mechanical uh there is there is so much bravura and there is there is range there is depth and uh, i just really enjoy the playing of john williams you're probably hearing that in my voice but uh regardless i wanted to go ahead and say that because i truly think that 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 John gets a bad rap for for his tone and things like that. This is younger John Williams. This is 1966. He's still playing the flata. He's he has not transitioned into uh, the Smallman guitars that 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 came in 1980 for him. That was his transition to that. And so um, anyway, this he's he's a young he's a young guitar player with a lot to prove still. And uh, I just think he did a phenomenal job with the Rodrigo. Let's hear what Kay Jaffe has to say about Mario Castanuovo Tedesco. Uh, her notes were, were very succinct and very, very uh, wonderful to, to, to read uh, regarding, regarding both the intro of, of this, this recording, but also on, on Rodrigo. So here's what she has to say about Mario Castanuovo Tedesco. Mario Castanuovo Tedesco has been particularly prolific as a composer of songs. Born in Florence, Italy, April 3rd, 1895, he received his musical training there at the Istutio Musicale El Carabini, studying composition with Pizzetti. His music composed in Italy represents a wide cross-section of genre. Songs, especially his enormous collection of 12 books of songs from Shakespeare's plays, operas, orchestral works, concertos, and music for chamber ensemble and solo piano. In 1933, Castanuovo Tedesco, a Jew, left Italy to escape the fascist regime of Mussolini. He emigrated to the United States, where he settled in Larchmont, New York. During his first years in America, several of his works received premieres by the New York Philharmonic, and the composer toured the country as a pianist and guest conductor. Later, he moved to Beverly Hills, California, where he became an American citizen. The Concerto in D for Guitar and Orchestra, Opus 99, was composed in 1939 and carries a dedication to Andres Segovia, who gave the work its first performance in Montevideo. Like Rodrigo's Concerto, it was received enthusiastically from the start. Castanuovo Tedesco, too, generally works for, within traditional forms and in a clearly tonal framework, liberally infect, inflected, that is, with coloristic devices. Unlike Rodrigo, however, Castanuovo Tedesco begins his first movement with a full orchestral tutti. The guitar begins to punctuate the tutti with incisive, terse rhythmic fragments and, finally, in true concerto fashion, wins its own statement of the theme. The recapitulation is prepared by a free section marked quasi-recitative in which the guitar is answered by the cello. The second movement begins with the guitar alone, shifting between duple and triple meters from measure to measure. The condensa begins appassionato. The final movement is best described by its heading, Ritmico 
a cavalleresco. Beginning in D minor, the guitar is instructed to play con bravura and brillante. The movement proceeds energetically, but returns to the tonic D major for the close. Those notes are so wonderful, and I've said many, many times before on this podcast how important it is to look at liner notes. It's sort of the, there, there, there are so many nuggets of information that one can garner from, from reading on this, and, and you know, the, these people that, that wrote these liner notes, it, I just I just so thankful and grateful for the things that they wrote because it really is a chance to learn something extra about the music and the piece. And, and for example, I didn't, I didn't know all of those things about Mario Castanuovo Tedesco, but certainly some, and it was nice to learn a little bit about him uh, in, in, in also uh, preparing for this episode. This concerto rocks. It's completely and totally amazing. I know that I don't know as much Mario Castanuovo Tedesco as I should at this point in my in my life as a 47-year-old classical guitar player. Um, mainly, I've, I've just not really quite chosen to play uh, his stuff. There's certainly Capriccio Diabolico. That's that's sort of the the big uh, thing that that he. That he composed. I I really rather fancy and and really enjoy the homage uh, to Boccherini, and and you might you might hear that title and think, well, my, you know, it's going to sound like Boccherini. Uh, no, it does not. I would say it it very much like talking about the the avant garde idiomatic uh, tonal tonal colorations and and devices. That's what he's doing with that, and it's a really really fabulous piece solo guitar piece written about the same time as this concerto uh and of course i i know i know the piece uh platero eo uh there's there's actually there's a couple recordings where where it's just music alone but really that that piece is is intended for uh poetry to be read while the guitar player is playing the music of castanuovo tedesco so sort of an interesting thing I just really enjoy this this whole record. I think it's great. Uh, again, I, I'm going to reiterate and and say that anybody who thinks John Williams is a is a robot player, a robotic player, or a, an android type of player, plays without feel, lacking emotion, point them in the direction of this recording and say, "Hey, ha- have you listened to him play with the, with the Philadelphia Orchestra back in 1966?" He was young and and he was playing with feel and tremendous emotion and all sorts of things and so I just I'm I'm very very partial to this recording it's beautiful uh, the art artistry on this record recording is just second to none so I think you'll really enjoy uh, side two with the with the Castanuovo Tedesco concerto. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Classical Guitar LPs podcast. I know it's been a minute since I released an episode and I just want to go ahead and say thank you for sticking with the podcast it has been a very challenging summer uh, I will say that both my father-in-law is is doing quite well and as well as my my mother uh, with her health issues both of them had health issues this this summer and it has just been it has just been crazy around our home and it's been really tough to settle into a pattern of doing uh, sort of the fun things like this like this podcast I enjoy doing. So 
If you are a guitarist yourself, if you're a guitar aficionado, please tell someone that you know about the Classical Guitar LPs podcast. Let them know they can listen on virtually any platform. Of course, we're featured on Spotify. And so that's where I'll say, hey, listen to us on Spotify. That's the best place to listen. Uh, but there are other platforms as well. Uh, listen to those back issues, those back episodes. It goes clear back to that first that first LP that Segovia released in 1952. And I didn't even purposely do that. I didn't even purposely do that. That really was sort of a kismet sort of thing. I just, I knew I wanted to start with a Segovia record. And I knew that going from, to, to several, to several masterclass, that that was a highly recommended recording. And I have a couple of copies of it. I found them at, at Goodwill and Salvation Army here in Des Moines many, many years ago. And they're scratchy. And, but in any case, it ended up being, it ended up being the first LP that Andre Segovia released in 1952. And so it's just, just was kind of funny that that's, that that's the episode that I stumbled upon. Uh, to begin. So lots of their episodes. We have many, many guitarists and I, I very much enjoy hearing some of these obscure pieces uh, by, by players that are, maybe aren't, maybe didn't get repressed over to CD or maybe aren't being heard on the streaming services. And so of course, John Williams can be heard everywhere. So that's not exactly who I'm talking about, but be looking for some of the lesser known folk. And there are some of those in, in back episodes. So once again, thank you for listening. If you want to check into the social media avenue of the show, you can check us out at instagram.com slash powellguitar. That essentially is the hub of activity for, for this podcast. You can also reach me at facebook.com slash powellguitar or uh, www.powellguitar.com. All three of those places get you to me if you have questions or if you want to reach out and talk about guitar things love hearing from the audience and that sort of thing and uh thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time in the next episode here is side two of two favorite guitar concertos john williams eugene ormandy members of the philadelphia orchestra 1966 recording on the columbia record label thanks and we'll see you next time <laughs>
Thank <laughs> you. 